0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 10 and 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: We've been looking at the plagues on Egypt And as we've pointed out, the point of the plagues was God, big G, was defying the gods, small g, of Egypt. God, big G, was proving to Egypt that their gods, small g, was not real. And God was seeking to cause the people of Egypt to see that they can't trust in these gods, that they should not trust in these gods. And really, I guess it occurred to me today that these gods in Egypt really are demons. It's, this is a form of demonology. Just kind of occurred to me today. And so, of course, God is saying look, Satan and demons and idol worship of these false gods cannot save you, cannot help you, cannot trust you. It's all superstitious, polytheistic. So, don't put your trust in these gods. And God is showing them his greatness. God is proving to them his power. How so, Rodney? By bringing those gods low. By judging those gods. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks now. The plagues on Egypt. And briefly, let's kind of go over them so we know where we've been. We'll tell you where we're going, and Lord willing, we'll go there. So we've been talking about the plagues on Egypt. The first plague, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, you know, water turns to blood. And remember I told you God is judging the gods of Egypt and these particular gods. So the water turned to blood is a judgment on the false god, Hapi. Hapi, H-A-P-I, Hapi. Sounds like Happy. Spells like happy, but it's hoppy. And then the second judgment, the plagues on frogs. Remember, the frogs came on the land. And this is a judgment against the female god, Hect, remember? And then the third judgment or the third plague was a judgment against the god, Gab. And that was a plague of lice. And then the fourth plague was a plague of flies, and it was a judgment against the god Amun-Ra, flying insects, various types of insects. We talked about that. And then the fifth plague on Egypt was diseased livestock or animals. And this was a judgment against the god Apis, that would be the female god, or pardon me, the male god, Apis, A-P-I-S, and Hathor is the female god. And then the Bible tells us, even after all these plagues, that Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not let the people go. And so then God sent the sixth plague, boils on the land. And this was a judgment against the God, Emhapted, who was the God of medicine, the God of healing. And then God sent the seventh plague, hail, hail upon the land. Judgment was against the God, Nut. N-U-T. And Nut was a nut. Yeah, I'm sorry. Judgment against the god Nut, who was considered the sky god, actually. And then the eighth plague, you were with us, you know, Locust, we talked about that last week. Judgment against the grain god Neper, N-E-P-P-E-R, Neper, who was supposed to preserve and protect the field so we've talked about all of these judgments tonight Lord willing will conclude this teaching on what I've entitled the battle of the gods with the ninth plague which would be a plague of darkness and the tenth and final plague the plague of death of the firstborn in Egypt that's what we'll talk about tonight now if you were with us last week you know we kind of abruptly ended our teaching in chapter 10, remember, beginning, we actually left off in verse 10, but we're going to pick up tonight, just for context, in verse 11, and then we'll move forward through uh, the rest of the chapter. I want to share some things with you. So look at uh, Exodus chapter 10, and we'll pick up our study in verse 7. Exodus 10, verse 7, if you're there, say amen. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know or do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? And so Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go and serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going with you? Or who's going out? Who's going with you? And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters. With our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And then in verse 10, he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. And then notice verse 11. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. For that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. So these plagues are coming on Egypt. And Pharaoh's servants, in in, in verse 7, we just read it, Pharaoh's servants, they say, Pharaoh, how long are you going to keep up this charade? Don't you realize that Egypt has been destroyed? Now remember, all these plagues have come upon the land. Keep the context here. Egypt is destroyed. At this point, the fishing industry has died because the water turned to blood. The fishing industry has died. Men are covered with sores and insects. The majority of the cattle have died in Egypt. The fields have been destroyed. There's nothing to eat. And then the counselors noticed they said, Pharaoh, let those folks go because they have been a snare to us. And Pharaoh said, go serve the Lord. Who's going with you? And Moses said, everybody I get the impression Moses was one bad dude when he's talking to the pharaoh Pharaoh says who's going Moses said everybody Pharaoh said in verse 11 did you read it with me he said take the men but he's saying leave the women and leave the children he's saying take the men but leave the women in Egypt and the children. Now, over the last several weeks, I've been giving you the four areas of compromise. If you've been with us, you know this. We've been talking about the four areas of compromise of Pharaoh and linking that to the four areas that Satan would cause us to compromise in. And so far, I've given you, I think, two of the four. First of all, the first area of compromise by Pharaoh Look back at chapter 8 and verse 25. Turn with me. Go ahead and look back at chapter 8, verse 25. Now we're going to talk about those four areas of compromise. People have been talking to me about this for a couple of weeks now, saying, Rodney, when are we going to get to those other two? I think we'll get to them tonight. But the four areas of compromise. And here's the first one. If you've been with us, you already know this. But here's the first one. Look at chapter 8 and look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. You there? Say amen. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God in the land. You see, the first area of compromise, Pharaoh says, go sacrifice, but why don't you sacrifice in the land of Egypt? In other words, Pharaoh says, listen, worship the Lord, but stay in Egypt. In other words, you can be a Christian, but don't leave the world. Isn't that what Satan seeks to do to the believers? Oh, you can be a Christian, but don't get too radical. You can be a Christian. Hey, look, you can get baptized. You can go to church. You can get a really nice Bible. You can even throw around some Christian words, but don't change your lifestyle. Don't become separate from the world. Worship the Lord on Sundays, but live in Egypt all week long. If you understand so far, say amen. That's the first area of compromise, and we covered some of this. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But notice the second area of compromise. Look at verse 28 in the same chapter, Exodus 8, verse 28. Notice in verse 28, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go, what, saints? Far away. Then he says, pray for me. Oh, I'll pray for you. Pray on you. Pray for me. The second area of compromise, notice Pharaoh says you can go, just don't go far. In other words, worship the Lord, just don't go too far. Don't get too radical. Don't get too fanatical. Don't share your faith in any way, shape, or form. Stay in the world and don't be a witness. That's what he's saying. Pharaoh's saying, listen, compromise. Leave Egypt, but stay close enough to get back. Remember, Egypt represents the world. Egypt is a type of the world. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. So, worship the Lord, but don't get too far away. Hey, take a little bit of the world with you, he would say. The secondary compromise. Now, we get to the third area of compromise. Go back to chapter 10. Go back to chapter 10. Look at verse 11. He's basically saying, Look at verse 11. Not so, go now. You who are men. You see that? What he's saying is that you can go, but don't take your family and don't take your kids. In verse 11. Now listen, God is not going to let them go without the kids. How do you know, Rodney? Well, look at chapter 10 and verse 2. God said, remember, he said, I'm bringing these judgments on Egypt so that you can tell your sons and your sons' sons all that God did. God's not going to let them go without the kids. God understands the need to share with the next generation. And Satan always is trying to get parents to compromise and leave their kids in the world. I didn't think I'd get too many amens there. Satan is always trying to get you to compromise parents and leave your kids in the world. Well, how how does that happen, Rodney? How does that work out? How does that flesh out practically? Well, here's how it fleshes out practically. Parents, listen. When you allow your children, let's just get real. When you allow your kids to listen to music that they ought not to be listening to, you're leaving them in the world. When you allow your kids, some of these video games are horrible. I'm talking just bad. This is not something your children need to be viewing. And they put the advisory thing on there and all that. No, that's, look, it's a shame that we've taken freedom of speech to this nth degree, which was not intended It wasn't intended to be weird and perverted and evil. You're leaving your kids in the world. Listen, when you don't bring your children to church, you are leaving your kids in the world. I've heard parents tell me, look, I'm I'm not going to force my kids to go to church. I just will not force them to go to church. What I want them to do is I want them to make their own decisions. And if they don't want to go to church, and that's just, you know, I just think that they need to have a choice. Because when I was a child, I didn't have a choice. But it's interesting. These people are telling me when they were a child, they didn't have a choice. But they're telling me that, and they go to church regularly. Well, wait a minute. Your mama forced you to go to church, and you turned out okay. I'll just say okay. You turned out okay. I didn't say you turned out good, I said you turned out okay. Well, I just you know, I just don't want to force them to go to church. You know, if they don't want to go to church, they don't have to. Look, let me try to say this as nice as possible with all the grace I can muster up. That's stupid. Pastor, love you. That's why I would tell you the truth. <laughs> That's just crazy parents. Listen, that is crazy. You don't look, do you say do you say that about school? I mean, really, do you say, "Well, you know what? I don't want my kids to resent math, so I don't want to force them to do it." Do you do that? No, you don't. You say, "Listen, you got to learn how to count your money when you get a job. You can't function cuz Prayerfully, you're gonna get a job, okay? Now you gotta learn how to count your money. You gotta learn to live in the world, and part of living in the world, sweetie, is you gotta learn math. Don't misunderstand me. I hated math. I used to get a whooping because I wouldn't do my (laughs) timetables. Now my mom's not here. Now I can talk. She went back to Philly, all right? (laughs) I hated math. But it was good for me. Listen. Even if your kids don't want to go to church, bring them to church. The truth is, look, if you raise them in church from when they're a child, if you raise them in church, you bring them up in the church, Church just becomes a part of who they are. It becomes a part of what you do as a family. So then when they get older, you don't have to worry about forcing them to go to church. It really doesn't really work like that. It works like this. If you've always raised them in the church, you've always gone to church on Wednesday, you've always gone to church on Sunday, guess what will happen? When they get older, they'll just go to church because that's just the way that they were raised, and you do kind of what you were raised to do. Do you understand? That's the way it works. You know, in, in our home, I praise God, and my kids, I, I don't leave the home and go now, waiting now, you guys better get up and go to church. I want you to get up. I'm leaving now because, you know, we leave early. We got three services here at Calvary. We leave early, and sometimes, you know, my daughter might still be in the bed. My son might still be in the bed. I don't have to say to them, well, you know what? You guys better get up and go to church and don't let me miss you at church, I think. Don't let me, you know, I don't do that. I just walk out the door. Why? Because that's the way I raised them. That's the way we do in our home. And it is an understanding. You will go to church. (laughs) Say amen, somebody. You will go to church. Now, you don't have to go to three of them, but there is a two-service minimum. (laughs) You got to come to one, sit through it, and then you got to talk to people the next one. I mean, no, 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 no. You got to go to church because that's just the way. And look, if you come visit me, you know, I told you guys, if you come visit me, you got to go to church. you don't want to go to church on Sunday morning, we can get you a hotel across town. I ain't kidding you. I am not kidding you. Y'all think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not kidding. No, because you're not going to sleep on the Lord's time, at least not, and I know it. I'll leave that alone since y'all don't like that. I'll leave it alone. All right. But they leave Egypt and notice they're in the wilderness and God says, listen, listen, if they leave Egypt and they're headed toward the wilderness and and God says, hey, where are the kids? How do they sound saying what kids? Oh, 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 you mean you you wanted us to bring the kids? That's ridiculous. Of course, they're not going to leave the kids. So they can't compromise. They can't. Moses cannot leave the children. Because God said, let my people go, and part of the people are children. And by the way, should I add this? Jesus loves the kids. Jesus loves kids. No, don't leave your kids in the world. Moses says, no, I'm not leaving the kids in Egypt. Now, look at that. That was the compromise number three, area of compromise number three. And we'll come back to number four in just a minute. But I want you to look at verse 12 right now. Exodus 10, 12. Look at verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail was left. Has left. And so Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought locusts, and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. And they were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. It is very possible that God created just a locust for Egypt. It's very possible because there was never one like them and there has never been one after them. Very interesting. For they covered the face of the whole earth in verse 15 so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And so there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and pray to the Lord, your God, that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh, and he prayed, he entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong east wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Stop right there. God told Moses to stretch out his hand to bring the locusts. He did, and an east wind brought the locusts, and they were severe, the Bible says. They covered the land. And did you notice this? They ate everything in sight, herbs and fruit, and nothing green was left. And I can imagine you probably could hear the munching sound, like 3D, of a locust they're eating everything. They're chewing up the whole country. And imagine at this point what Egypt was looking like right now. And then Pharaoh said, did you note that I've sinned against the Lord and you? And then in verse 16, look at it again, Pharaoh's admitting that he sinned. But saints, if you're taking notes, you write this down. He isn't repenting over his sin. Listen, repenting And remorse are two totally different things. You know your Bibles. Judas admitted that he sinned. Remember? And he threw down the 30 pieces of silver and he ran out. That was remorse. He was sorry about what he had done, but it wasn't repentance. You see, repentance means you change your mind, you change your action, change your heart about that thing. We know that Pharaoh did not repent because we all saw the movie. We know that Pharaoh did not repent because we all know the story. and He didn't repent. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. Listen, if you ask someone in prison, if they are sorry for what they've done, they'll say, of course. But are they repentant? That's another thing. So Pharaoh is grieved at the consequences, but not the sin itself. But God in his mercy, did you notice, turned a very strong west wind and took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. And there wasn't one locust left on Egypt. That's a miracle. But Pharaoh did not let the people go. Look at verse 21. Well, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Darkness, we come to the ninth plague. Darkness, which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. For how many days, saints? Three days. They did not see one another. Check this out. Nor did anyone rise from his place. And these guys stayed in bed for three days. Now, some of y'all realize that sounds pretty good, but not under these circumstances. They didn't rise out of their place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And then verse 24, Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go, serve the Lord. Only, underline verse 24, let your flocks and your herds be kept back and let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burn offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.